Welcome. I'm Jennifer Stevens. Welcome to Make the Connection. We're glad that you guys are here today. I'm joined on my podcast by my dear friend and grand poopa of all, Tracy McDaniel, who is uh, president of, is it TIP Strategies? or TIP. It stands for Theory into Practice. Of course it does. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks. It's the brand, baby. It's the brand. <laughs> And theory into practice. I love that. I love it. Did you come up with that? No, I didn't. No, the guys did years ago. They've been around for about 25 years now. And it basically says that we have a band of team members that are all practitioners in economic development. Uh, We've worked at either the local, state, or national level in some form or fashion. Yeah. That's awesome. What a genius name. I know. It was nice. I should come up with something fake that JHL stands for. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) I love it. Well, so speaking of uh, brand and getting your brand, you know, on track and keeping it on track, that's what I wanted to chat with you about. Of course, you and I have worked together for more than a decade, long time, and um, and you're you're the best in the business when it comes to brand and and messaging and, and building and maintaining that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. No, I'm, I, I love it. It's great seeing you and I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Trace. So let, let me jump in. So let me ask you, what, what is a successful brand? Hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things today that question has evolved so much uh, because of technology, right? And, and I think that there are different components of a brand which means how you are, how you compete, I think is very critical when you are looking at a brand and how successful. Does it evoke some type of passion or emotion? Uh, does it connect to a tribe? Who's your tribe? Are you talking to your people? Uh, consistency, I think there's leadership that's tied to that. Um, but then also how to managing a reputation and then measuring its effectiveness. All those things are a component when you're looking at either building a brand or managing one that exists. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I mean, when you're working with a client or an organization, you know, how do you get them to begin the process of building a brand? How do you establish that brand? Yeah, I think some of the first things we do, and you know this about me, I always start grounded in research, understanding the market, uh, looking at the audience, uh, aggregating that data based on either geography or the demographics of the audience who you're, uh, who you're trying to reach. I think that's so important. And then uh, understand your competitors. So it's, it's almost starting with a SWOT, you know, the old framework for SWOT, understanding your strengths, opportunities, weakness, um, and threats. I think if even if you use that foundation, it could help you refine and define what your brand is. So, you know, a lot of organizations have like mission, vision, values, these kinds of things. And I think oftentimes those things come out of SWOT work and SWOT yes. analysis. So, in a from a process perspective, is it kind of do the research and figure out your audience, you know, your tribe, who you're trying to reach? Um, do that SWOT and take a dive into yourself 
on yeah. those strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then do you come out of that with these are going to be our values, this is going to be our vision or our mission statement? You also have to include a, what I call a category review, and that's knowing your competition. It's almost using that same exercise on your competition. So you know who they are, right? And you know who they're talking to, and you know who they, if they have influencers that they're aligning with. All of those things, understanding the category of industry that you're in is critical to building that brand if you're starting off. And so then how often do you have to come back and re-examine? Because so oftentimes, right, you get started, you think you know who your competitors are, ups, downs, we learn along the way. Yeah. How often do you need to come back to that? I think it depends on the type of industry you're in. If you are in an industry and you consider yourself a disruptor and things are moving fast, um, I think you need to have these reviews more often than you would if you were a regular company or in a regular industry. And today, everything is so fast with technology, but there was a time where I would do a category review of my competition at least every three to five years. And that's comprehensive. I wanna know what they're doing, who they're talking to today. How do they have new partners? What those partnerships look like? Uh, do they, and this is my favorite, have they created programs that create bail, uh, mailbox money, which is, you know, that money where that comes in and it's not necessarily, it's linked to the brand, it's an add-on. Are those types of programs being created? How do you understand what your competitor's doing to see if you're keeping up or have you broken away from the pack? Understanding that is important. So a three to five year review would be great. Okay. And that's if you're not an interrupter, but if you're an interrupter or, you know, in an, in a space that's evolving quickly, it's really what more like it's constant. it's constant. You're always looking at the competition. You're always matter of fact, your goal is to beat the competition if you're a disruptor. So they are, you know, in your dust literally because you're creating a whole new platform and a whole new thing, a way to think about being in business in that certain sector. So uh, it's understanding it, but this constant evolution of it and changing because the threats then are once you create something, there are going to be others that follow, right? And so always managing that marketplace and understanding it is key. Okay, yeah, that makes good sense. So, so then if it is time for a rebrand, you know, what are some best practices? And, you know, I'll use us as an example. Yeah. Although I still have JHL as a name, which is probably terrible, but um, but we have gone through a rebrand as it relates to our logo or the look and feel of our logo, and you know really have grown, I guess, up or maybe grown into who we are, you know, as as we've looked at rebrands over the years. Um, but but I guarantee you, we're not doing it the way we're supposed to be doing it. So if you were telling me what to do, um, what is the process like? Okay, we've looked done our competitive analysis, we do think we need to make a change to the way we're approaching, you know, our brand and how, what we're putting out there into the world, then what do you do? Yeah, I would go back and look at my mission and my values to see if they still align with where you want to go, where, with where the market is, with where the competition is, because that's really your DNA, right? And so as you create that, you want to reinforce 
that the integrity of that mission and those principles that you built. And so understanding that, I think, once you've done your competitive analysis to say, should, should we tweak it? Should we look at this differently? Were we thinking about this in the right way five years ago? And so here's your opportunity to make sure there's alignment with what's happening in the marketplace, how you're gonna make your money and then who you say you are and what you stand for. So I would take the time to do that because now that you know your competitors, you also want to understand, and this is another aspect I would add to it, what people think about you. What do they say about your brand? Does it align with what you built in that mission and in those value statements? So doing a brand awareness survey to either your prospective customers or even your customers, your clients, to say, you know, are we standing up to these principles? Are, are we aligning with something else? And they can say, God, Jennifer, I love what you do, but I really see you as a, a PR firm. I don't see you as this. And so there's some tweaking that needs to happen for that kind of alignment. And that's going back and really surveying your customers and prospects and people you trust on what do we stand for today? What do you think we stand for? That would be very difficult for me to do. <laughs> I gotta do it. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, and I, we have done it. It has been too many years, but we yep. have done it. But it also is hard because then for me anyway, you know, JHL is me. And, yeah. and so I get like, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? But it's bigger than me too. So it yeah. is. So, but think about it as your, your evaluation. You know, how many times do you get them now when you're in business? So now you're really being evaluated by your clients and your prospects and people who really know you and where you came from. They know where you came from and they've seen you evolve. And you just a touch point to say, you know, what do we stand for to you today? And I, and I think that would be good. And that's something, you know, because it's so easy. We're so fast paced today. It is so easy to have what I, it's not mission creep. I mean, we've blown mission to hell in some companies, you know, because we're just after, we're out there, we're going after the business, we're trying to be responsive. And so I think we just, we create this culture and then it's such a departure of what we started with. And well, some of those two things have to align. I think that's very true. And I think that's very true in the most normal of circumstances. Yes. Then you layer on top of that, the last year that we've had. Yes. And we both were just talking about like, you know, you are growing your business and, you know, David's working on a degree and I'm drinking too much during COVID. And that's how we spend our COVID vacations. But, but besides that, but we were just talking about just, you know, that work and, 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 you know, find the business and keep afloat and keep moving. And I think the difficulty of that is, you know, there's an opportunity, right? Crisis creates opportunity for sure. But at the same time, how do you make sure you don't deviate or, or you know, creep so far away from who you are yeah. and what you want to be doing? And then if you did creep too far away in the crisis, you know, how do you realign? I mean, that's probably going to be an interesting dilemma for a lot of us, nonprofits, everybody trying to prove relevancy through the last year. It's, here's one of the things that we did as a firm at TIP. We made a decision, the, the owners early on, right before this, everything hit back in March of last year, whenever the hell it was, we basically said, 
we're going to constantly keep our eye on the long game. So that's difficult because when you're in a, in a space where you don't know if your public clients, the funding is going to dry up, you don't know what's going to happen, but we kept our eye on the long game because we knew that this was going to pass. Now, once you pivot and you're starting to be responsive to the most immediate short-term opportunities, at some point you're going to have to reset because that's not what you're built for, right? You're just looking at opportunity at that point. So now you have to reset and say, let me start thinking about the long game again. And that's what you have to do when you find yourself in those situations. We've had year or plus where we've had to either reinvent ourselves as companies and founders and owners to respond to what was available. And now it's like, do I continue on that treadmill? No, you get off of it, you reset, you try to create an alignment and say, all right, here's what we're going to focus on now. Yeah, well, I think that's, Fabulous advice. And honestly, if nobody learns anything else from this, that's great advice for anybody because I do think, you know, human nature, there was just that scrambling and in, in, in all of us in one way or another. But you're right, focusing on the long game and, and forcing the reset. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's exactly um, what I need to do and what, you know, probably a lot of people need to do. So, it's- uncomfortable so, but it it it's good you know it is, it, it is uncomfortable but you know usually out of chaos comes opportunity so it's like even though it's uncomfortable you know take the time to make sure you're true to your values I think that is what will then be the long-term plan right nobody wants to invest in somebody that's sort of one thing one day and, and another thing another they want to work with someone that knows who they are and can, yeah. and can help drive the train for them in what they're trying to accomplish as well And I'll make another point about that because I think that's real important. Right now, even, you know, my firm, we're doing a category review of our competition because we've lost some of the players. They didn't survive this. And so for you to really understand that landscape, you need to know who's still in the game, right? So some of your competitors may not, may no longer be there. And that's what you want to know too. Well, that's it. That's also an excellent point. I need to, I'm going to write that down, Tracy. Hold on. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it is a good point because, you know, for those of us who survived, um, which I really do at this point, look at it like as, you know, we, we have survived, we are coming out of this. Um, you know, what are we doing with that? And that's a, that's an excellent point. Have you looked up and, and really taken a look around, um, you know, really taking a look around to see if you can understand you know, mm-hmm. who exists and who doesn't. That's right. So, so if we talk about a rebrand, how do you, is there a way you talk to your clients, you focus in on your mission and values, you say, okay, this is where we're headed. You know, how do you know you're successful? How do you know the rebrand was the right thing to do? How do you, how do you, how do you know when you've like, oh, okay, I look back and I know because of these things, it was the right thing to do and we're on the right track. What kind of analysis can you do from that perspective? I think it's really important to have metrics that you can look at, but even more so, you know, collecting that data on how do you create a communications loop with your customer or your clients and constantly putting out content that's relevant, speaking to them, speaking to your tribe, I think is really important. You don't want to overwhelm their boxes or 
with information, but you wanna constantly be relevant and they wanna see you. A good example, we saw corporate uh, companies across the country putting out statements on social justice, right? We had companies responding to COVID-19, the pandemic and remote workers. Those are things that are showing that you're relevant and you're not um, tone deaf to what's going on in everyone's world. That's the last thing you want is to not be connected to reality because we're all living in that, right? And we want our companies who we do business with, who I hire to be a consultant and help me, I want them to be relevant and be grounded in the reality that we're all living in. Yeah, but let me ask you this. So, especially as it relates to COVID, because I hear this all the time. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of thinking about it. I'm sick of it. We sick of it or not sick of it, it's still present in our lives, but I keep hearing from people, I'm, I don't want to hear because of COVID, because of COVID. So you have to remain cognizant. You have to be aware and relevant of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But how do you do that as you kind of are getting pushback of people saying, you, you know, you've got to be light with it, right? You know, yeah. you've got to sort of touch it and move on, I guess. You do. And it goes back to having that long game in mind, right? We know that this too will pass, right? And we know what we're experiencing. I can't tell you how many calls I got this week of people wanting to meet face-to-face. It was like, did I miss the memo? What what happened, right? So there's this sense of finding normal. And you gotta, I think each of us as companies and as owners and founders have to figure out what suits us. Because the worst thing you want is to have a setback. You want to continuously have this, consistent movement, if you will, towards growth and forward. So it's finding your balance, creating that, still having opportunities to meet with people. It may be virtual still, but quietly, lightly say, here's where I am, here's what I'm doing. That's what I've, that I've done so far. But I do think that there is, I was talking to David about this, I do think there is a sense of urgency to find that normal, whatever it is, whether it's getting on planes and traveling, you know, meeting with clients again, whether it's face-to-face meetings, all those things are going to happen. It's how quickly and how we manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, you know, some of it is being true to who you are. And then some of it is really just meeting people where they are. That's it. So, you know, what I keep saying to people is, you know, I'm comfortable meeting with you mm-hmm. for a phone call, yeah. a Zoom meeting, a cup of coffee, lunch, where are you? And it is interesting, you know, I had three in-person meetings today. Yeah. And, you know, one of them was with six people, but that group, as we were emailing, everyone was like, well, I'm vaccinated. Well, I'm vaccinated. Well, I'm, and so I was like, okay, I guess we're all yeah. going to meet. And we did it. And so it's like, yeah, it's just being sensitive. I I think too. I think as more people are, are get the vaccine, it's going, we're going to see more of that because they, they have a level of confidence now and security in their minds that they didn't have before. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, I'm excited about that. I think the opportunity is there. So is there, you know, we talked about rebranding, but let's talk about just staying relevant through crisis. You know, you mentioned a minute ago how important it is not to be tone deaf, for sure. That makes good sense. 
how do you make sure while you're not being tone deaf, how do you make sure you're also not sort of, um, I don't even know the right word, but um, you know, you don't want to be chasing the crisis or appearing out of touch with who you are. And so, you know, being relevant and having these conversations, I'll give an example, you know, when COVID hit, you know, a lot of our work is in the event business, obviously the event and live, live event and music business was hit extremely hard. You know, we immediately saw the way to be relevant to begin to have these, you know, webinars and podcasts and, and just, you know, information share and best practice share. And sure. I think that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But as, as, as this has evolved, I don't think that's now still the right thing to do. People are kind of like, okay, we got it. You know, we're all kind of finding our new track. So right. how do you make sure you stay relevant in the crisis without kind of overplaying your hand? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one because I think it goes back to understanding your client, right? Uh, we've had clients that literally, and this was months ago, that took a political stance that they required if we were going to do business, if we got the consulting contract, we had to put in writing that we would travel to that location. And so you have to be willing to, like you said, meet people, clients where they are, where they're comfortable and, and, and make a decision that's best for you and the firm. And, and I think that's, that's really what's important because it's, it's tough. Uh, it's all about, you know, all this, you got to keep in mind, yes, you have to pivot, but it's going to pass too, right? And you're going to be here for those opportunities once we get past that, which is what we're all trying to achieve, is that I'm still in this game. We've been around for 25 years and we got another 25 to go. So I think it's just being relevant and meeting your clients where they are, understanding that uh, your reputation matters is another thing. Um, you know, we've had to say no to some business because we wanted to make sure that we put our employees first. And so that meant turning down business. And, but we still stand by that decision today if we, you know, if we had to stand up to it. Um, but sometimes you have to make those kind of calls and be willing to do that. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about marketing a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you stay focused on your brand, you build your brand. Um, we know we need to go back and reevaluate our brand and look at rebranding. So then, you know, let's, and this is not an industry I'm in, but you've, you've done it many times and I've worked with you in the past on it to, to amplify the, the, the image and the brand of, of an entity, whether it's an entity or a product or whatever, to the consumer or to their target audience, marketing strategies in a crisis became very different, right? Yeah, it's like everybody was right. home, but they were tired of looking at the screen, but, but. So how do you, any thoughts on best practices maybe that you saw from a marketing perspective kind of in the throes of the crisis of the last year? and or any thoughts on pivoting that marketing and outreach strategy now that we're kind of coming out of it? I think you nailed it. It was uh, back months ago, it was about content, making sure that people knew that we were still out here working, right? Because we knew some of our colleagues were not. And so it became creating a content calendar or where we could push thought leadership 
topics that were really important to the firm or topics that were important to the business or industry that we're in. Um, so we, we started doing forecasting on what's going to happen with remote workers and making sure our clients knew that. Here's some of the trends that are happening in supply chain. I think companies can do that to their client base based on their industry. The other thing I think is really important is as you pivot, I think you have to create a hybrid of it. You have to be willing to, like you said, meet your client half halfway if we're requires face-to-face -face meetings, if it requires an event that is virtual and real-time, what does that look like? But being willing to be innovative and bring those ideas and concepts to your client base is really important. So using your teams, we use our teams as think tanks to come up with innovative ideas of how we pivot, how we service, how do we get our clients ahead of the pack if they want to be? And those ideas are the ones that we share. But constantly having new ways of thinking about this was very helpful because people were either uh, trying to figure it out uh, or felt like I'm stalled and I'm not going to be able to do this. So what do I do now? I, another example, uh, right after Texas's power grid crisis, I got a call that following Monday from economic developers who are saying, how do I treat this in my community? So it's like, so let's think about this. Do we treat this like a crisis like Harvey, a major event? How do we treat this? And then this is going, if we figure out how you treat it, how you define it, then you understand your role in it. And then you'll understand how to measure your effectiveness when you have to articulate how you performed. So all of those things are, are really key is just understanding your role and understand how you provide value to your client base. Yeah, well, that's super interesting. I, um, and I, you know, along those lines, I mean, I bet it was a fascinating exercise of if it was a community that maybe thrived at a time when others didn't, you yeah. know, right? Maybe that's your competitive advantage toward the other communities, you know, in that, that maybe struggle a little more, but at the same time, it was such a, we're all in this together, Texas thing. That must've been a little bit of a challenge for- Oh, you're laughing, but El Paso's got billboards now that says we got power because we were not on the grid, right? So how do you take advantage of that? And yeah. they are, yeah. Well, and you know, <laughs> we used to do that for Texas in other states and go steal, go steal those projects. And go steal I remember, I, I kept thinking this gotta be payback. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trace, it's going to take more than an epic ice storm to pay us back because we were rocking for a long time. <laughs> but you're right, probably were some Californians and, and New Yorkers that were a little bit happy to see us suffer. For I know. I, do you remember the time we just literally papered uh, the Capitol in Sacramento? Oh yes. my God. And yes. I was like, I think their lights had been off for a while. <laughs> Little did we know then that California would become our best asset in toward recruiting Dick Texas. Gosh, it's so true. I love it. Well, one one thing I want to ask about to close the loop on this conversation before I, I let you jump. I love everything you just told me about, you know, staying true to who you are and meeting the customer where you are, but but you were hiring right? You have a team in place and then you were hiring also through this last year. So 
when you're bringing your team together, whether it's a team you've had for a long time or a team you're adding, how do you instill those brand values of who you are and, and, and what you want them to, you know, to convey to their, um, you know, areas and spheres of influence for your company? How do you do that through this evolution of, of world history and also the evolution of your company through the evolution of the world history? Yeah, and technology is, you know, we, I, I often say that culture kills strategy every day. And if you, you have to watch, especially as we are, have this remote work opportunity and we create hybrids, what is the culture that we're creating or what is the culture that we're embracing in our firm today? How do we connect? You know, we had to learn how to do innovative uh, client engagement virtually on Zoom or whatever it was. And, you know, I have a client now, I'm doing 200 interviews online virtually. It's insane, but guess what? We had to figure out how to do it and where people aren't nodding off and they're engaged and they're participating. So the same thing, you have to really approach your team in team building ways, create the water cooler environment virtually, right? Create opportunities where they can hang out like they used to in the office when they did. We've always had a virtual platform because we have offices in Boston and Seattle and Portland. So it, we've always had a sense of having to bring others to the table and be engaging. But you have to continue to do that, uh, I think is so important. Be mindful of, um, we're going through this now, I call it a, uh, a shadow culture, where if you are not constantly engaging your team, they'll create their own structures. They'll create what's comfortable for them. And all of a sudden you're working for them and you're like, I don't even know how we got here. So making sure that all components of that organizations are connected and you communicate with each other, just like you do with a client. This is your investment, this team. So you have to make sure that you're ensuring that that investment is high performing and working and, uh, and like an engine, like you want it to. So you can produce either the best service or the best products. Yeah. Well, and, you know, create that loyalty with your team too. You know, I think, you know, at the beginning of the, of the COVID and the crisis and all that, I think people were all just like watching their friends get laid off and lose jobs and, you know, family members and that. And so, you know, there was just this like, oh, thank God for you. But, but the reality is, you know, the workforce is fickle. Yes. And, um, you know, I always tell my husband, nobody really loves me, but me, you know, it's like at the end of the day, they were all grateful for a while, but if you don't find a way to re-engage that, you know, as the, as, as the world evolves out of the like, oh, thank God I just have a job to, oh, things are opening back up. Maybe I should be, you know, you got to really, yeah. really find your way then. Yeah. And figure out, you know, how people want, we are going to be challenged with figuring out how people want to work now that's gonna be different for employers. Yeah. They have choices. And uh, we, we just had a colleague of mine, she lived in Portland. And you know, there are communities all over the country that are writing $10,000 checks that if you move here and work remotely, we'll pay you. And so she took them up on it and she moved. And now she's working, where is she in Michigan somewhere? And, but she was able to have a down payment for a new home, move her family, and she can work from anywhere. 
So the days of, you know, I used to interview millennials and trying to understand how they are going to navigate in the workforce and moving forward in the future. And one of the things you've always heard is I want to be able to live anywhere I want to and work. And you're like, what the hell? They're not connecting. Well, look where we are now. You can't yeah. do that. And companies and communities are trying to lure workforce so they can move into their communities and work. Well, that's, that's okay. So that'll be our next podcast because one of the selling points, right, that a lot of communities use when they're trying to recruit, you know, companies to their community or states when they're trying to recruit companies to their states, one of the selling points is always a ready and capable workforce. Yes. But if that selling point has been removed from the equation because of virtual work, that's right. um, you know, the acceptance of virtual work environments, uh, we're going to have to sharpen our pencils on that, on that game. talking point. Yeah, it changes the game, baby, because it used to be where we were out there hunting for the next Google or the next big corporate headquarter. Now we're hunting for that individual, the talent, and it's a different game. If we don't have the talent, the companies aren't going to come. So it is, it's different. It's That's fun. fascinating. <laughs> That's fun. That's a lot of opportunity. I just did some TIP rebrand right there for you. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> no, I love it. Well, I mean, Tracy, you know, I love you. I cannot wait to see you now that we both I know. almost done being vaccinated. I cannot wait to see you and, um, and hug your neck. And I really appreciate your expertise always. And I learned so much and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime you ask, I'm there. <laughs>